Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the Fox Nomad podcast. I'm your host, Fox Nomad Anil Polat. I've got a lot of energy because, well, we are deep, deep in the middle of tech season. You probably can't hear the fans that are running behind you right now, but that is my, that's the result of my uh, graphics card just going nuts because I'm uh, rendering and uploading a new video right now as we speak or as I speak. And that video is all about the DJI Mavic Air 2, which is the size of a phone, extremely a big jump from the Mavic Mini 1. Might be the best travel drone, except for one feature. So if you're curious about that, if you've been looking at drones, maybe for uh, the upcoming shopping season that is upon us, be sure to check that out. But right now, I want to introduce you to this episode of the podcast with my guest, Jesse Festa. Jesse writes Jesse on a Journey, which is a travel blog. She also runs Travel Blog Prosperity, which helps show other people how to run and manage their travel blogs and make them profitable. She's also got her podcast as well, which I will link to in the show notes along with her website, Travel Blog Prosperity, and everywhere else you can find Jesse. And we talked uh, about travel blogging ethics and blogging ethics in general. And it's a topic I've wanted to talk about for a while. And Jesse is the perfect guest to talk about this topic. We talk about what it's like to travel for free. What kind of trade-offs do you make uh, when, you get, when you're getting paid to go somewhere? Um, what is it like, you know, when you take advertising from all kinds of different sponsors? How does that affect the content you write? Um, we go over a little bit about, you know, how Jesse recommends you navigate that, how I navigate that. Um, so we talk all about the the business of travel blogging. So if that's something you're interested in, then I'm sure you're going to really enjoy this episode of the podcast. But before I let you go, I just want to ask you once more, if you haven't already, make sure that you give the Fox Nomad podcast five stars wherever you're listening to this, Apple iTunes, uh, what else is there? Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. Oh, and by the way, we were in the Apple Top 50 in tech last week. So again, another huge thank you from me to you. There's just a ton going on. So there's a ton of travel. There's a ton of videos coming out. There's a ton of tech. So just make sure you stay tuned for that. And I hope you enjoy this episode of the podcast with Jesse Festa. All right. Hi, Jesse. Hey. <laughs> I, I tell everybody this. <clears throat> I never know how to start the conversation because we've already been talking before I hit record, but <laughs> hi. So for everybody listening, um, here we are. Uh, and I wanted to talk to you about the ethics of travel blogging. We kind of had this idea. I listened to a really good podcast about the ethics of tech blogging and vlogging and I figured uh, you do a lot of writing and you have courses about this topic so I wanted to to dive into it um, really what what does it mean when we say the ethics of blogging or travel blogging and is it different for travel bloggers is it different than other bloggers yeah I think there are similarities like of course there's the obvious things like, you know, if you are getting something sponsored, being obvious about that. Um, and I feel like a lot of bloggers feel weird about like sharing when something's sponsored or they're an affiliate of it. But I've actually found that when you're really clear about it, like upfront, people really appreciate that. Um, one thing I think is kind of interesting with travel bloggers, especially right now, is the whole 
should we travel thing. Um, I actually had in my, I have a, a membership and I had the, someone from the Impact Travel Alliance come and speak. And it was really interesting just talking about, um, not just thinking about like your own health and safety, obviously, you know, wearing the mask and washing your hands and all that stuff. But like, are you really, when you're choosing where you want to go, thinking about, is this a place I should be going? Um, what will my impact be? Because it's definitely different if you're coming to New York City versus maybe a place that doesn't have easy access to running water or where, um, you know, you being there could actually have a serious negative impact on people beyond the obvious things. Um, so I think that's a really interesting thing going on right now that people should be thinking about. I feel like I always get asked the question, like, how can people stay safe when they're traveling? And I'm like, I actually think the question should also be, how can we make sure other people that, like, we're making sure we're helping other people stay safe. Yeah, I, I, that's something that came up in an earlier episode. We were talking about it. And I, I see a lot of, you know, the bloggers, the bloggers, you know, a lot of travel bloggers, vloggers I follow are going to Mexico, Albania, Turkey. Those are kind of the open countries that are easy to get to. And then I see a lot of people trying to get into Europe and some have, and they're, you know, it's not easy to travel. And I wonder if it's worth the effort you know, like what, what's the point, right? Like, you know, like, okay, you can get to Germany somehow maybe, or, or wherever, but you know, like you're just going, heading into more lockdowns. It's not really setting a great example to, I think, you know, like. Yeah. If I'm spending the money personally, like I want to be able to do everything at anything. I don't want to be so limited. Um, I think it's kind of cool too to be able to you know if you're in a place where you can travel locally to take the time to do local trips or even explore your own city as a tourist and support like the local businesses that are obviously suffering right now um i mean i think another equation is like the whole travel shaming thing it's kind of interesting like i don't want to ever shame anyone and be like oh you know you did did the wrong thing but i think it does open up an interesting conversation of like what should we be doing? What are the options, I guess I'd say? Yeah, I mean, people should, you know, I get it too, you know, it's part of a business, right? So, you know, if, if you look at, even if you just look at, I follow a bunch of travel vloggers and, you know, it's their business to, to go to places. And if they don't have that, I can see that their content can be really impacted. It's a little bit different when you, when that's your main thing, you know, when it's the camera on yeah. you in a place. So I get that. I think people, it's sort of a tough spot. And there's also this fatigue that's going on. But, you know, like when I was in Turkey, I did a whole bunch of, a, whole, a couple of lockdown videos of what it was like there. And that in itself was different. You know what I mean? Because nowhere is the same right now. So wherever you happen to be, I think that's the interesting story. Um, yeah. So. And I feel like too, kind of like speaking to where people are at, like, you know, everyone's been talking about pivoting. Um, so I definitely have been pivoting to cover more um, travel at home. I've been doing a lot of just fun short story roundups, um, local hikes. And at this point, those posts are my most popular on my site. And it's because that's kind of what people are searching right now. So for me also, just in terms of the work side of things, like I don't really feel like if I went to, you know, California and did a top 10 top 10 things to do in Los Angeles post it's really going to do the same as it would have maybe last year 
Exactly. At, the, and at this moment in time. And it's kind of weird in a sense too, because any content you make here now, I mean, it's going to have, it's going to be different in a year when the pandemic, assuming it's over or, you know, we get things back kind of back to normal, it's going to be really dated. And I'm trying, you know, even in my tech reviews, you know, people are asking me, Hey, I'm, I had this thing. I need to go to an Apple store and, you know, I have to do it with like, you know, the stores are not open right now. So yeah, I know in a year when people watch that or in like two or three, they're going to be like, Oh yeah, the pandemic. So it's kind of dating yourself. It's hard to keep that evergreen content. Yeah. And I've been like, I mean, I've wrote one post that I was afterwards. I was like, Oh, I put so much work into this and like, no one's really going to read it. It was how travel insurance will change, but just like, I mean, I'm never going to rank for that topic. And it's so time sensitive that I was kind of like, Oh my gosh, I don't know why I put so much effort into that. Um, I feel like the post was really good. Just like that much effort for, I feel like only the people that saw me share it on social are really going to read it. Whereas like I've been doing cultural recipes or like, I don't know, just doing hikes and bike rides and stuff like that. At least those will still be interesting in a year. Cause I've been thinking the same thing. Like, I don't really want to write about, you know, the best restaurants that are open in New York city during the pandemic for outdoor seating or something like that. Like there are plenty of people covering that who write solely about restaurants and write solely about New York city that I think can spread the word. But for me, it's so much effort and then I'll have to just change it or scrap it in a year or two. And do you think, you know, that this sort of pressure that's put on the travel industry and travel influencers, do you think, where do you think that's pushing everybody? In other words, do you think people are forced to write about quarantine content, even if they don't necessarily want to? I see, you know, I do see a lot of bloggers, you know, writing about, I can tell that they've pre-planned what they've written. So they've, they've gone to a country and they were like writing these top 10 lists kind of thing. And it doesn't make any sense. Like I see them, they're posting them, they're new. And it's just like, doesn't make any sense. This is not clearly you, whatever research or travel you did was before this. And I feel yeah. like it's putting a lot of people, they're not, a lot of people are either in a tough spot or not thinking creatively about how to sort of approach content do you think yeah yeah oh no no no, go on <laughs> sorry <laughs> oh yeah i was gonna say do you think that's the case are you noticing the same thing yeah and i actually in my like just with my community too i've been seeing people really stressed like in my membership i actually did this sort of last minute pivoting workshop because i had so many people just like confused but also just really like upset like feeling really like should I even be doing this? Like, A, not wanting to um, spread, like promote travel when it's maybe not the best time to promote it. And B, sort of feeling a little bit purposeless because if your mission is to promote solo female travel or to help families travel on a budget or whatever, now like it's just totally a different world from when you started your website. So I do feel like people are really struggling with that. But like you were saying, thinking creatively, I think there are so many ways to meet people where they're at now. Like for example, so I have my two websites, I have Jesse on a Journey and I have Epicurean Culture. Jesse on a Journey was like, uh, I'm like thinking, I guess not everyone will have video, but like a huge graph, uh, you know, the traffic was going up and then it was like, whoa, like straight nosedive down. And that's because I have a lot of like city guides and adventure guides and things like that whereas epicure and culture 
traffic went down only slightly because that is a lot more of like kind of cultural perspectives and, and cultural recipes and things you can enjoy from home. So for me, that was like a huge kind of teaching moment of like, wow, you can still write about travel and, and it'd still be interesting to people when they're not traveling by giving people sort of like a window into other cultures. Maybe you find another blogger who lives in another country and you interview each other about, you know, your different cultures or something like that, where you can still share something interesting to people interested in travel without saying, go there right now and, you know, do these activities. Yeah, I think a lot of bloggers don't travel in the travel, you know, world, don't look at it like entertainment. And I think that's why vloggers do so well in the travel space, because it is, they're thinking it from people are consuming this content as a form of entertainment. They don't necessarily want the best cafes. Maybe that's what they were searching, but they want to be, you know, when they're looking on their phone or online, they want to be taken to that place mentally, I think. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think especially now, so, you know, I think, you know, it's a good time to get creative. You can get a little bit maybe sillier, maybe more personal. Um, they changed this podcast, for example. So I wasn't planning on doing interviews uh, for the podcast, but it was a great way to kind of get in touch with people all over the world. And uh, so it's, it's, it's kind of been nice. I think if you use it as a creative constraint, um, yeah. And I feel like actually for so long, like people who started blogging really early, or travel blogging really early, we were like writing a lot more narratives and stuff. And then it sort of changed to like top 10 lists and stuff like that. Cause that's what people were searching. But I feel like now is a really good time to sort of like play around with storytelling again, because I mean, stories are addictive. Like why do we read books and why do we consume podcasts and why is like this American life so popular? Because we love hearing these stories. So if you can kind of play around with that right now, and I bet it would be also very personally fulfilling to kind of be able to share your own stories, share the stories of other people. Like I was saying, I've been doing these just like really fun story roundups. Like I did one that was something like 30, um, like love stories from the road, like people who met and fell in love while traveling. And even just editing it, I had so much fun. Like, I loved reading everyone's different stories. I found it so interesting. And that's right now one of my most popular posts. Yeah, I find that the worst thing you can do is write something that you just don't want to write. It's nobody is going to read it. I've made videos where I really wasn't into the video. Maybe I, it just wasn't working. And I was like, I just put it out. And more often than not, those don't work out. You know, but the ones where you're like, okay, you know, like I'm excited. The process was fast. I find usually works best. You know, we just kind of go through you're something. You're like in a flow. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And you're like, oh man, I only spent you know whatever half an hour on that, and I hope it's you know it's really quick, but it worked out. And I think you know when it comes to sponsorships and stuff, I think a lot of you know a lot of bloggers get into this thing of where they want that money, the sponsorship, and it feels really forced. You know, yeah. so it feels really like, um, I, I don't, you know, I, I don't know where everybody draws the line between, okay, especially now, you know, things are really slow in the travel industry. You get some money to do a sponsorship. Um, you know, what do you think? Where do you think people draw the line? Do you think people should draw a line or should they just take what they can get? Um, you know, <laughs> So I definitely think people should draw a line. Um, I do find, I find it really interesting. And I say this as someone who has courses on working with brands. 
but I still think it's so interesting that people sort of think of working with brands as like, oh, I made it, where I'm like, I mean, I think working with brands can be amazing. I've worked with some brands that I've loved working with. It was a perfect partnership, um, whether through brand partnerships, press trips, or affiliates. But if it's not going to align with your mission and it's not going to be interesting to your audience, I mean, you're doing yourself a disservice, you're doing an audience, your audience a disservice, and you're doing the brand a disservice because, you know, if you cover uh, sustainable tourism and you're promoting a company that maybe does elephant tracking or something, I mean, people will definitely notice that and just nobody's gonna win. But I would also say working with brands is not the be all end all. You can absolutely be a successful blogger and never work with a brand in your life and that's totally fine. There are so many different ways to make money blogging. Um, but if brands is something you want, I would say A, like maybe think about why that is. Like why do you just really like have these brands that you love and want to promote? Because if so, that's amazing. Or, you know, a brand reaches out to you and you love what they do and you want to work with them. That's awesome. But if it's just because you think that that gives you some sort of clout or, you know, it means that you're successful for some reason, I would rethink that. Um, I think there's just, like I said, so many different ways to make money with a blog or a website, and it doesn't only have to be working with brands. Yeah, and I think a lot of people listening who don't necessarily, you know, have a blog or whatever, I think they don't realize, one, the number of offers people get, the things that may be sponsored that aren't disclosed, like press trips, for example, where, you know, you get paid to go somewhere, um, and so along those lines, I put out a video a couple, a month or two ago called, Can You Trust Fox Nomad? It was based on a video from a tech YouTuber I follow, MKBHD, Can You Trust MKBHD? And that's where I got the idea for this podcast, because he had a podcast with Mr. Mobile, who's got a very clear sort of guidelines. And so I thought I would explain how this works and how it's changed over the years, because in the beginning, I, I mean... I had no idea, you know, so um, when it comes to press trips, for example, I don't take money for those. So, but if I go somewhere on someone's dime, you know, I'll disclose it um, every time. When it comes to reviews, I don't do paid reviews. I'll do a showcase where I'll talk about a product, give you kind of what it is, but I can't review it if somebody paid me. And I don't run ads for a product on that product's content. So a brand can't go, hey, I love that video you made about that thing. Uh, can we run our ads on that video that you made about the thing? And I don't allow that because then it you know, looks conflict of interest. Yeah. Uh, what are some of your rules that you have? How, how do you manage that space? For press trips, I sometimes I go on group trips, but usually I like to work with tourism boards in a way where I'm the only one going and I can craft the itinerary with them in a way that is what I would do anyway. Um, and like, of course, with the disclosure, putting it at the top, I feel like so many people put it at the bottom where I've actually talked with a lawyer about this. And she's like, if you have, you know, a, anything, a brand partnership an affiliate link or whatever, you, people have to know that there are affiliate links in the post before they can possibly click them. So for me, usually I'll put, the disclosure either with my name, like, at the, you know, by Jesse Festa, you know, this trip was sponsored or whatever. Um, or right below the intro, I'll be like, you know, 
now we'll dive into 10 things to do in New York City in italics and bold like this post includes affiliate links to trusted partners and then of course like I'm only linking to partners that I actually think people would love and that I would want to promote um so it's really what I'm usually trying to think about I'm always if I'm promoting something I want it to be something I would be promoting anyway not just because I got you know paid for it or there was some like collaboration involved yeah and you know in that can you trust me <laughs> post I, I talked about working with official government tourism bodies and I think the conclusion that I've come to is I'm just not going to do it and the reason is because there are a lot of yeah, I mean, I've done it in the past. I've disclosed this a handful of times, and I don't take many press trips in general. But, um, you know, I think Spain, Portugal were press trips that I took. But over the years, I've gotten requests from other countries and other places. And I feel like if I say yes to one place and not to another, or if I say yes to both places, I'm in some way endorsing that government mm -hmm. in, in a way. Um, so I just figured, all right, I'm just going to say no to everybody if it's an official tourism board and then just not deal with it. Um, so I, I don't know. Do you feel, do you have any qualms about that? Do you feel weird or do you take it? No, not at all. I, I, yeah, case by case. Um, I do work with like tourism boards. I totally respect people who don't. Um, for me, I kind of look at it as like I'm promoting the local businesses and like I said I always try to work with them to like craft it in a way that like this is a hotel I genuinely would have stayed at um this is like a tour I genuinely would have booked for example um I was working with a tourism board and they I think it was a tourism board I'm trying to remember if it was a hotel or a tourism board but no it was definitely a tourism board because they wanted me to promote an animal attraction and they were really like oh we really want this promoted and I was very adamant that I wouldn't go on the trip if I had to write about any sort of like animal attractions, just because they're so hard to vet. Um, I think a lot of them have a lot of issues and it's just not something I would really want to promote on my website. So, you know, I do try to make sure that it's the things that I'm promoting in the post are things that I would genuinely want to, you know, put my name behind. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Granada comes to mind. So, you know, I mean, they, they didn't fly. We were both in Granada for best city 2018 um, you know, they oh man, it seems like it was like so recent. It was so like long. years ago, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and this year Singapore won, but it's not happening, <laughs> unfortunately. Mm -hmm. But like, I know all the people at the tourism board there. I mean, one of you know, Danielle's a vlogger, blogger who's a good friend of mine, and um, and so you know, we got access to, you know, Alhambra and certain things that I, you know, <clears throat> I guess after that, uh, you know, as this has come up, I probably wouldn't do that again but you know th these are small lines I think they I think disclosure is the main one and I don't think yeah. a lot of people disclose what they get and what they don't and I think it's an issue um, for I think it's it's a trust issue that a lot, you know and it's also a legal one in the US you know you have the FCC uh, guidelines oh, yeah. around it and I think too like one thing if I'm being um, like, I really try not to be overly promotional with things. And, oh, here's one thing, actually, thinking of that. I've had brands that I've worked with, especially hotels, or, yeah, hotels especially, when they have their, like, taglines and brand words that they want um, used. I 
never ever sign contracts that say you must use the word sophisticated or you must like use this line or whatever because I feel like then it's like well why don't you just write a guest post and I'll just say like you know so and so wrote a guest post because they're basically trying to write the content so I think that's something else to think about is the editorial control you want to keep because many times you'll probably see people sticking that in the contract of you know you have to say this or you have to say that where for me it's like if I'm working with a hotel and I go to the bar and I have a great cocktail I'm not going to be like this was the best cocktail I ever had it was so amazing instead I'll just talk about it like you know they make their margarita with all natural ingredients or you know just explaining the experience more so than trying to be like the biggest cheerleader ever for the brand and and going to those FCC rules you have to dis right if your blog is based if your company i don't know actually how that works if you don't have a company but you have a blog i know that in the us you have to disclose if you're paid for a sponsorship if you're paid for content uh, and not everybody does it there's a real good example of shaq tweeting out for uh, some sort of truck um, shaq shaquille o'neal yeah he he tweeted out something about a truck and it was clearly an ad very clearly an ad but it wasn't disclosed so you know i i don't know how that works I, I don't i really don't think the fcc is going around and finding people i i've never heard of anybody who's been fined probably like i'm surprised but he's huge i was gonna say probably like they'd be looking more like really big influencers like i'm thinking of like i think i had heard one of the like kardashians or jenners forgot to put the ad in the right place and she got a lot of like scrutiny and she rewrote the caption or whatever um, but I don't know if the FCC really finds her, if it was a warning or something, but yeah, I don't know if I've heard of really any big lawsuits or anything coming from it, but you are supposed to, I don't know that laws, but I would think it doesn't matter if you're a company or a blog, because I don't know, at the end of the day, you're kind of influencing people, but yeah, I'm not a hundred percent sure. Yeah, actually it just came to mind because... You know, it, I know if your company's registered in the U.S., you 100% you have to do it. But I, I would I would assume that probably then it would fall to wherever you pay taxes, I guess. You know, wherever it falls yeah. under. Yeah, and I know of so many really big travel bloggers that are still, like, sole proprietors. So that would be shocking to me if you have, like, you know, 100,000, 200,000 plus page views, but you don't have to disclose it just because you don't have a registered company. So I guess, you know, the, the, we just sort of assume we should be ethical, but why, why should, what is the point of it? You know, what we, you know, we haven't really talked about what's the purpose of being ethical. Why should we disclose all these things? Um, I think one main thing, I mean, I guess there's so many reasons to be ethical, but in terms of like longevity of your business, um, it's usually pretty obvious if something was sponsored. Um, not always, because I've definitely written about hotels many, many times that I paid for. Um, but eventually, it'll probably be noticeable to somebody, and you're going to lose a lot of trust, and trust is really everything. And I do think that if you just are super clear with, yes, I was paid by this hotel, or yes, I was hosted by this hotel, but I genuinely liked the um, experience, and I'm gonna, sh that's why I'm sharing it with you. People will respect that, and you're also giving them the option to either say, you know what, yeah, I want to read what you wrote, or 
you know what, I don't really like reading sponsored content and like giving them the option to decide for themselves versus, I don't know, withholding information that essentially makes your post a bit of a lie if you're not sharing the whole picture, I guess. Yeah, and there's always, you know, people who say, oh, you know, if I get paid for something, I can be, you know, unbiased. And I always love to read that line, you know, like, you know, you know I can be unbiased. And I think you can, but the, the optics of it don't look good, right? Like, it's, it's like you're, you're, you're at a crime scene, <laughs> you didn't do anything, but it doesn't look good kind of thing. I always just think of it like, you know. And I think too, oh, sorry. <laughs> Yeah, and I was just going to say, if you don't disclose it, then it looks really bad. Not that anyone would know, oh, yeah. but, you know, it, it, it doesn't feel right. It, at least when you disclose it, people are like, okay, they were up front. They got paid. So take it with that grain of salt. And I think even if your readers don't know, if there were other um, bloggers, influencers, creators, whatever you want to call them, on the trip, they'll know. And actually, I think a lot of brands want you to disclose because it's the law so like if you aren't disclosing like I, at this point actually a lot of the brands i work with you know are very specific of where the ad tag should be and stuff and that's in the contract um but going back to the unbiased i think one thing to remember is you usually if you're being paid you have a contract so even if you could be unbiased you are required to write about something. And that's actually one reason I do like working on press trips that are hosted by kind of like a tourism board or a larger entity, because then I can pick and choose. Like I've been on trips before where I was like, you know, that really isn't something I'd promote, but there are always gonna be other things on the trip that I can promote first. If you work specifically with a hotel or with a tour, you know, if you don't like that hotel and they sponsored you, that's gonna be a tricky situation versus if you worked on a larger press trip and you just didn't like the hotel, but you loved like all the restaurants and you're going to do a food post, I feel like there's just more options to find what makes sense for you. Um, luckily, I've never been in a position where a brand I worked with, especially on a trip, because it's not like, like if you're working with a makeup company or a bathing suit or a tech company, you can get the product, try it, say you hate it and kind of, get rid of the contract and give them back the product and you never have to promote it. Whereas a trip is definitely a little trickier because you can't really give back the trip once you've gone. Um, and luckily I've never been in the situation, but I have heard from other bloggers sort of like going on trips and, you know, people who were ethical and were kind of like, there's no way I can promote what, you know, what I experienced because it wasn't what I was told would happen. Um, definitely read the itineraries and do your research before saying yes to something is basically I guess, the gist of what I'm getting at. <laughs> wow. I, I haven't heard of terrible trips. I, I've, I've actually thought of the opposite where let's say it's a trip to, I don't know, city Y and you go there. Usually you're showered with, you know, you're in a resort, you're staying in luxury. You're not getting what a typical traveler would get. So it's really hard to, be kind of, you know, unbiased and say like, hey, this is a great place. Yeah, it's great, but most people are not going to be spending the amount of money that that's being spent on you. And uh, so it's, it's almost like they're guaranteed to get a good review. And I think that's where I draw the line. So it's not really the review, it's just a showcase. I think that kind of oh, yeah. helps it in my brain a little bit to, to differentiate that. 
Um, but how, how do you manage it? Let's say you're going to an event. Um, I, I don't know if you get in those situations where you're flown out to the event. You're not paid, but you're flown out there. And obviously, they put you, put you up in a nice hotel and so on. How, how, how do you manage that? What, what do you think the, the way to navigate that is? Yeah, I do the same as you. It's kind of like what I was saying about like the example of the margarita. I'm never going to be like, this was the best thing ever. Or like you're saying, I would never call it a review. It's more of like, I don't really call it a showcase, but that's essentially what it is. Just sharing my experience. Um, and also really picking and choosing what my audience would like. So I went on a trip where it was a great trip, but I, the way they did it was really weird. They had three bloggers. One was me with all different niches. So like I'm solo female travel, one woman's family travel. Um, I forget what the other woman was like luxury or not luxury hotels. She was for like a hotel review site. So she, they wanted to take her to a million hotel um, walkthroughs. Like I'm not covering that. Then the family travel blogger, we went to like a kid's museum. I'm like, I'm not covering that. So I basically went off on my own for a lot of the trip. And I told the PR person, I'm like, you know, I, I want to make sure I get a story out of this if I came to this place on my own, I would be hiking every day. So that's when I kind of did. She would drop me off at different trails and I ended up getting a story out of it. But I do want to make sure that it's like worth everyone's time. I don't want to waste my time. I don't want to waste the, the brand's time and I don't want to waste um, your reader's time. And honestly, that trip was a little bit eye-opening for me. I, I never like thought that that was the way people might coordinate a trip. So I kind of look into that a little more now when I go on a trip that like all of the activities or majority of the activities are something I would really want to promote. Um, Vail did something really cool. I went on a trip with them. This was years ago, but there were the meals that we ate together in the hotels we all stayed in, but there was a lot of sort of like choose your own adventure options. So in the afternoon, say there was like five different tours you could choose or five different experiences. And they really let us tailor the press trip to our own audiences. And I absolutely loved that. I wish like more tourism boards did that for group trips. Yeah, I find, you know, like the bigger brands usually are pretty flexible with what they'll let you do. You know, they're pretty open to your creative input, I think. Um, it, it's, and, and that's when you have the most fun. You know, I've had that with Ford, for example. They just gave me a, a car and they were like, what do you want to do? And I was like, this is what I want to do. They were like, you, do you want it three days to, to just drive around Las Vegas? And I was like, I, I want it like two weeks and I want to drive across the US. And they were like, okay. <laughs> so it was, you know, it's usually with those brands, like when they hear a good idea, you know, obviously I said more than that. It was like, I want to go to all these, these sites that have a theme and so on. And they're usually pretty good about it. And I, I guess we should go back to really, maybe a lot of people listening don't know the kind of sort of, what that means, what it means to be sponsored. I, I've talked about it a little bit on the tech side, but in terms of travel, uh, what are what are we talking about actually? You know, what are the sponsorship opportunities that a, a blog would get? Yeah, so I mean, I guess really the sky is the limit because it depends what channels you're big on. For me, usually the sponsorships are based on my blog or Instagram. Whereas for you, I'm assuming it would be like blog and YouTube probably. Yep. But um, the main ones I do are press trips, um, and they can be hosted by tourism boards, hotels, 
they could even be hosted by brands. Like I've been invited on trips hosted by liquor companies. Um, I haven't gone on those, but you know, they could be really hosted by anyone. Um, for example, Scotch in Scotland or something mm -hmm. like that. Um, also products on Instagram where you're like highlighting different products and then sponsored posts where, for example, I worked with a company called four by four. This was last year. This was like before quarantine where this is my favorite type of way to do like a sponsored post was, um, I wrote a post that I would have written anyway. It was for bloggers. It was called something like, uh, how to get blog followers and build an audience. And I just mentioned them as the sponsor and I talked about the features of their product or the other way I like to do it is, you know, so-and-so brand asked me what my favorite, like say you work with a, a hostel company. So-and-so hostel company asked me what my favorite hostels in the U S are. So now I'm sharing those. So you're kind of like naming them as the sponsor. Yes. You're going to feature them and talk about them, but it's not like, you know, you can't grow a blog without four by four, <laughs> you know, you want to make sure that it's still organic in that way. So those are really the three kind of main ones that I've done lately, the press trips, the sponsored posts. I feel like sponsored posts is a weird word because there's sponsored posts where you're really putting a lot of work into it. And then there's sponsored posts where, you know, the company that emailed you called you dear webmaster, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, so I don't do those. But I mean, like with a real company that has a budget and they're like wanting to get results and talk about a creative campaign, um, that kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. You know, I, th I think that pretty much covers pretty much the same in tech. You know, it's it's you get, yeah, like a, a blog post where you write about something where you mention something in a, in a video, a showcase. Uh, I should probably add the podcast ad here right now which would be really funny which i probably will do um, <laughs> podcast ads you know but those are you know I, I those are really upfront right you, those are this is brought to you by that's really i feel like you know where people get in trouble is those murky ones where here's a free product to look at you know here's a here's a phone that we sent you just let us know what you think you know and it's tempting to not make content around that because you get now you have this thing that you can make content about same thing with the press trip you know you get it offered something and um, I think for a lot of newer bloggers they just take they'll just you know take it even if it doesn't fit or maybe it's not something they really want to do and so on and I think now that the, you know travel is really shrunken down like the industry is in pretty bad shape I think a lot of maybe bloggers youtubers are going to be more tempted to take deals and not necessarily disclose them. I don't know if you think that might happen as well. And, and I think that's a good argument for why you shouldn't only work with brands. Cause for me, I haven't, I haven't really worked with brands during quarantine because I've gotten some okay pitches, but a lot of people don't have really big budgets right now. And it's not that I want to be greedy, but also this, I'm putting the same amount of work in to the content when for me, I kind of feel like, it's more worth my time right now to put my energy into my courses and my membership and my tours are picking up a little bit more um, affiliates and things like that. Another thing I actually was thinking, um, if you want to get started working with brands, something that I think is really awesome and ethical is to find affiliate partners that you love, like things, maybe a backpack company you're, you're already using, or if you always travel with uh, Marriott or something like a brand you really love, 
create some affiliate content around them. And if you do well with that, then you can always reach out to them and see, say, hey, can we take this a bit further? Could we do a, a larger sponsorship? Could we do a, a big giveaway or something like that? And that could be a great way to get like other kinds of partnerships. And then you already have the proof that you, you know, can do well with them. And if you were going to give a message to people listening, to people who are consuming the content, and then one message to the people creating the content, well, what, what would your sort of nugget of advice be for both something maybe that they don't know or they haven't thought of? I would say when you're creating the content or pitching brands, like come from a place of true, genuine service. Um, really think about how you can work together and try to create long-term partnerships. And an example would be, I went on a press trip with this PR agency years ago and I started a really great relationship with them. Now, when they email me, say um, the woman who's my contact, she'll be like, hey, my client is promoting this right now. I'll send some tweets out for her for free just because I wanna grow that relationship. It doesn't really take me a lot of time. Um, then, you know, as our relationship has grown over the years, she asked me to speak on a panel with her at a conference. When I've asked her to see if any of her partners would want to create a workshop for my members in my membership, she's now reaching out to them. So now we have this mutually beneficial partnership where, you know, yeah, like we're both benefiting. And, you know, when she has an opportunity to invite someone to speak on a panel with her, she's calling me up because I've created a relationship with her that wasn't purely transactional. Um, and in terms of the people reading, I would say something to think about if you, A, I guess, choose, you know, the creators that you align with, but B, this is actually more of like probably a creator thing. Cause what I was going to say is when you see people kind of messing up, and this is what I think of um, when I'm thinking about travel brands kind of, but don't be afraid to say something. And it's not like you need to publicly shame people, but if somebody does something that bothers you or that maybe doesn't sit well with you, send an email. Maybe, maybe somebody is doing something they didn't even know was wrong, but this is actually something I try to do more when I'm traveling. That's what made me think of it. Like if you work with a hotel that maybe is doing something wrong, or you stay at a hotel that maybe is doing something kind of that you don't think is particularly ethical, maybe start a discussion with them. And not that maybe, maybe they knew they were doing something wrong, but maybe they didn't know people were noticing and maybe you can help create some change there. Does that make sense? I feel like I just rambled a little bit because I had two ideas at, at the same time. <laughs> no, it makes sense. I mean, it, it kind of brought up like what I think creators should do, which is what I wanted to do in that. Do you trust, can you trust me post is, these are my guidelines. Like this is the guidelines that I follow right now. And if you know things come up, they might change, but this is pretty much the format. So if somebody wants to look up, because a lot of times, you know, I'm sure you get that too. You know, if I do a review of a product, nine times out of 10, there'll be comment, oh, he got paid to say that. I made a video comparing mm -hmm. India and Pakistan. A lot of Indian people who didn't like the video said I got paid by Pakistan. A lot of Pakistani people who didn't like the video said I got paid by India. I didn't get paid by anybody. I was just in my living room and I made a post, you know what I mean? I made a video. So, <clears throat> you know, it's good to have that um, disclosed somewhere. So people kind of know your guidelines, you know. And it's probably, you know, good for you as well, because I think some people don't know their own guidelines. It's sort of like, you know, as things come up, I'll figure it out. But 
you know, it's good for you as well to kind of know your own guidelines, your values, um, what you're okay with. Yeah. And if you, you know, if your audience grows, you will get those bigger deals. It's a numbers thing. You know, it, it, it really is. You know, if you, if you focus, I think, and now, now I'm on my high horse as an old, old man blogger, but, you know, if you're just starting out, number one thing should be to grow your audience. It should be to make content, make good content do whatever you want in the beginning, you have the flexibility to try a bunch of different things. It's maybe harder down the line if you've grown an audience um, rather than trying to get, because it's tempting in the beginning. You're like, oh, someone will pay me like, cool, $100. <laughs> it's like, wow, you know, you, you just want to take all these little things. But, you know, it's, if it's going to kill your content, especially at the beginning, it's going to be really difficult to grow from there. So yeah, I think outlining what you'll do, especially in the beginning is good. And it also makes you look more professional too when a brand gets in touch. You're like, here are my guidelines. This is what we'll do, what we won't do, what I'm negotiable on and so on. Um, that yeah, helps you and I think um, the best brand partnerships are the ones that feel like it's something you would have created anyway too. It's like, if you're doing something and you're feeling like somebody's forcing you to do it, that means that it's truly not something you should probably be doing. Yeah. There is something where you are like, you know, I would have written this anyway. And this feels like something that isn't even sponsored, but it just happens to be sponsored. Then, then I think that's a good place to be in. And I think a lot of people are under the impression that everything is sponsored too, right? Like everything that you make is some sponsored content. It's like, you know, at least in my case, most none of it is, you know, I really, I'm really picky in that regard. Um, yeah. But I would say that not every blogger is because I guess like something to think about too for creators is if you are getting a lot of sponsorships, I think it is a good idea to kind of space them out. Like I do this with my own promotions because um, I do regularly um, promote different bundles. I'm a part of different courses and stuff like that. Not every email I send is going to be promoting something because that would just totally make people really fatigued by my emails um, and probably would lead to a lot of unsubscribes. But, you know, make sure that every, uh, at least every three posts is just true content before you do something sponsored. If you are getting a lot of these sponsorship requests, maybe you give yourself a monthly limit, like, okay, I'm going to do one sponsorship per month and I'm going to do four regular posts or whatever that is for you. But um, just making sure if every single thing you do is sponsored, people will definitely begin to notice that. And and segueing into this, you know, I got an interesting question. So I was going to ask you, I know you have your courses and I, I want you to tell everybody about them, but I wanted to add this little mention here. Somebody asked me, I got a, a message, do you pay people to be on your podcast, which I thought was interesting. I said, no, I don't. I, I ask people if they want to be on the podcast. Um, they are. It's great. You know, it's, it's always a topic I'm interested in, people I'm interested in. So they, they asked, do you, do you pay people? So I don't. Um, and that, that goes back to old journalism thinking where, you know, you shouldn't pay your guests, I, I guess, because uh, it also influences that relationship. So now when I'm, I'm going to ask you about your courses, people are going to think, ah, I mean, did he, did he get paid for that? Did he sponsor that? And the answer is no. I, I genuinely think this will be helpful for people. And if you're listening and you're at this point in the podcast, you're definitely interested in the blogs, ethics of blogging. So, um, so go ahead, Jesse, let me know. Oh, you know, give me the, the rundown of what, what your courses are. 
Yeah, so I have um, many different courses. I'm working with brands, affiliate marketing, landing press trips, things like that. But my main thing is my travel blog, Prosperity, membership community that has new courses published every month, um, weekly paid opportunities sent to your inbox. We do live challenges every month. There are live calls every month. I bring on guest teachers because I definitely don't know everything. And um, I want to make sure people know as much as possible. So yeah, that's really my main thing. And I also have a number of free courses and free printables and resources. So if you go to jessionajourney.com forward slash get dash started, you'll find all types of free yeah, resources, courses, tutorials, all types of things. So you can kind of get to know me and my style and things like that and see if it's a great fit. And what do you say to people who are maybe this year we're getting into blogging, right? Especially travel blogging around, let's say March, <laughs> between March and now. What, 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 do you, what do you think of people are going, ah, it's probably a terrible time. Do you, do you think it's a good time? Maybe it is a terrible time? I think actually, so I've had, funny enough, a number of people in my membership who did start their blogs in March. And they're really taking the time to build the structure and brand of their website which is exactly, honestly, what I'm doing right now. I'm going back, I'm creating all types of hub pages, restructuring everything. And I've really enjoyed the time off because I feel like when I'm traveling all the time, I never get around to anything. I think that's actually the hardest part of travel blogging is the traveling, is finding the time to do things and have a steady schedule. So obviously like, you know, I have courses, I might be a little bit biased, but I don't think Genuinely, I don't think that it is a bad time to start because you can really kind of take that time to focus on what you want to create and yeah, create the foundation, create the brand so that, and get the content ready so that when it is time to really launch to the world, you are all set for success. Yeah, I think that's good advice. I think, you know, it doesn't cost anything to start really. I mean, it's not very expensive to start a website, YouTube channel, or whatever you're going to do. And, you know, you should look at it like this. I mean, you know, my thinking is, if I made no money doing any of this, I would still do it. I know, I know that because I just, I love writing. I love, I, you know, basically if I'm doing something, it's because I really want to do it. It's because I really think it's useful and fun, pretty much. It kind of comes down to it. So I think, I guess in that sense, it's a good time too, because if you're doing it now and you're not happy because, you know, you don't like writing if you're not getting paid for it, then maybe it's not the direction you should go in. You, you, you know what I mean? I think that's a great, great uh, tip. And if you think about it too, there's more people online than ever. So more opportunities to connect with people, build a community. That's my favorite part of blogging is I love creating, but I also love connecting with people and um, yeah, just meeting people through my content. I feel like it's my favorite part of what we do. Yeah. And, and your point about not traveling is kind of nice at the same time as well, because I've gotten done, I've got, I've done, got, whatever. I got done a lot of things that I wouldn't have otherwise gotten done over these last couple of months. Uh, so it's been kind of nice to, to have that. And I was thinking when I was looking at my original travel schedule for the year, I was like, oh my God, I don't know how to have done any of that stuff. Same. So. And it too, like, we don't know, you know, you're kind of getting to create from the point of seeing how the world is sort of opening back up. Whereas a lot of people have been blogging for a long time. We've had to sort of pivot where you're sort of like opening up with the world, I guess you'd say, which is kind of nice to see like 
right away what you should be creating and when and moving with your audience. So it's kind of interesting too. Yeah. And if anything, people really, really have quarantine fatigue. They really, really, really want to travel. It's going to yeah. come back. I, I'm, I don't, you know, I'm kind of, I, I've kind of float between gloomy forecast and better, but I think by next summer, I don't, I don't think there's anything that's going to stop. I don't think governments are going to be able to stop people from traveling at that point. I really don't. There's going to be yeah, such yeah. a backlash. Yeah. And I feel like too, if you look at things like, um, I'm always looking at Pinterest trends and Google trends and things like that. There are plenty of trending topics related to travel, you know, staycations, outdoor travel, things like that. So it's, people are still really trying to travel. Um, one of my most popular posts right now is how to create a DIY yoga retreat at home. So people are really desperate to travel, even if it's right now in their home or locally. So you can still write about these topics. It's just, you know, going to look different now than it might in a year or two. Yeah. And if you write about the 10 best cafes in whatever city, eventually people will start searching for that. <laughs> exactly. It'll come back. <laughs> It'll come back. Well, thank you so much, Jesse. Is there anything we missed that you want to mention before sort of we, we wind things down? I think I would just add to everything on this whole topic of ethics is, um, you know, whether you're, you're just starting or you've been blogging a while, really think about what you want to create and who it's for and, and how you're helping these people and then create from there, like have a mission statement. Who do you help and how do you help them? Create from there, choose your affiliates based on this, choose the brands you work with based on this, um, choose the products you create based on this. And then you'll have a really nice cohesive brand and you'll be coming from a place of helping people rather than just, you know, taking cash grabs wherever you can. Well, thank you again. Uh, it's a great way to finish this episode of the podcast. I will leave a link to all of your courses, your site, everything in the show notes for people listening uh, and your Twitter if people want to message you on Twitter. Uh, thank you again, Jesse. It's nice to catch up uh, and uh, we'll, we'll talk again soon. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast. Thank you, Jesse, for being my guest. I hope you all enjoyed it. I've got a couple more podcasts. It is podcasting season, so be sure that you are subscribed and stay tuned to more of those. And until next time, I hope you have a great rest of your day.